Welcome to Forgiven, a podcast where we seek to empower and inspire all believers to live an authentic Christian life. In today's episode, we're discussing how to share the gospel in a post-Christian and welcome everyone to Forgiven. We are glad that you are here. I know that there have been a number of people who've been listening over the last few weeks, and we are um, glad that you're listening in. We're trying to do the best that we can uh, just to create conversations online. And and really, our, our audience is for any person who is interested in faith. And, and hopefully, it is for those of you who are kind of at the beginning stages, or maybe you are just trying to figure this faith thing out and and you're listening in uh, on certain things, asking questions that perhaps you have asked and have never been answered because you're only in church for a little while, or there's just a number of different reasons. Uh, again, the reason the reason we want to have this podcast is because we want to move you along incrementally. Uh, if you're a 10 out of 100 in your walk, and you're just, just starting out, uh, we don't want to bring you to 100. We want to bring you to a 11 or a 12. And, and many times that's how God works in our lives. And so... So we've been uh, reaching out on a number of subjects, and I'm kind of here. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm Mike Gordon. I'm the pastor at Bethel Brandon. I have my sidekick here, Logan. How are you doing, Logan? I'm great, sir. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. We have a, a guest that we are so happy to have. Uh, we have Louis. Now, I'm always trying to to get your last name straight. It's Hogblock. <laughs> Halbgawax. Halbgawax. Okay, I'm going to have to yeah, write that Yeah, that was pretty down. good. Halbgawax. And... and um, and we are ha- ha- happy to have him because we are talking about um, thriving in what we call the post-Christian era, and and things have changed drastically. And uh, as we were discussing things earlier, the the thought is that there was kind of a bit of a turn that had happened, and many people who are church growth analysts have talked about a time that was at the end of the, the 60s during the World Fair, which the emphasis was man and his world, and there was this kind of shift in the change. We kind of had this, this little uh, biblical Christian foundation that was, that was kind of popular in society, rode on, despite whether you went to church or not. And, um, and that has drastically changed, particularly as we have advanced in social media and uh, just advancement of knowledge. And, uh, and so... Uh, the message of the gospel still remains the same. And we're, um, we're at a point now where we're asking ourselves, how do we become effective in this? I would I hate to say new world because it, we kind of have been existing this for a long time. And we're glad to have you on, Louis, because you're kind of an expert. You're, you're kind of a, a church coach. You are a revitalization expert. That's kind of what you do. You, you travel to churches throughout Manitoba and Saskatchewan. Right, that that is what I am presently doing for the last uh, couple of years. Okay, you want to just kind of give us a brief update as to how how that's working for you? Absolutely. So uh, my my primary role is church coach and vitalization catalyst, and my uh, purpose is to engage local churches, pastors, and boards, uh, help them to take a snapshot look of where they're at, and uh, then try to put together a, a plan on how we can move into a preferred future. Uh, so there's a lot of churches that know kind of they're not where they would like to be and not feeling like they're having the impact on the culture, the community or the community they're in, the level that they would they, they know that God even wants them to have. And so my role is I come in and I work with the local leaders to take a look at where things are at, find out areas that are healthy and celebrate those, and then find out areas that are just either hindering health, growth, and vitality, or in some cases even just uh, sick and that need to be changed. And then we uh, journey together to, to help bring those into a, into a healthy place. So okay. that's kind of a snapshot. 
And you have worked with Logan. I was going to say, having been on the receiving end of your <laughs> church coaching revitalization, it's great. Yeah. Like, it actually is really great. So and thanks, I, Logan. And of course, we've had conversations because had, that's yeah. that's where my heart lies. That's where all of our hearts lie. And and I would be I would wouldn't be venturing out too far to say that every single church that you know believes in the truth of the gospel is struggling with this issue. And and sometimes there is this there's this um, tug between the fact that this is the way we have we have actually reached people before and and we're kind of figuring that's not working. And there's this this new I don't know why we call it a new, but there's this there's this as as our society has changed, we have come to realize that we need to somehow change. And so the questions that we're wanting to ask ourselves today is well, how do I change? How do I how do I actually reach people? Uh, we did a, a podcast recently on first generation uh, Christians, and and you and I are first generation Christians. And I have observed as the pastor that as people come to know the Lord, that many of them are people who at one time had faith and they grew up in a church, or they were Christian for a little while and they had left and now are coming back. And I've as I have observed and as I've sought to reach out people, that's great that they are. But nobody is reaching people like me who didn't grow up in a church. As a matter of fact, it just seems like those people who are like me are not even on the playing field in terms of conversations about Christianity. And and so that has, a, you know, there's a personal aspect to me as, yeah. as I'm reading it and as I'm, and as I'm looking at how do I genuinely reach people? And so... Let me just start out with that. So as we start with the conversation is, how do I, in today's world, genuinely reach people? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with a little kind of plug that uh, ties in with a vitalization, but it can kind of go across the board. Okay. Is one of my lines is that you're just blind to what you're blind to. And uh, every church, no matter where you're at, it's good to get an outside set of eyes. Uh, personally, as a father, husband... Uh, follower of Christ, I am better because I have people who I've given permission uh, to speak into my life and point out areas where I'm obviously blind to. And a lot of our churches are filled with really goodwilled people, but we're just stuck doing it the way we've always done it without ever really thinking through why do we do it like this? Do we do like do it like this because it's the way it's always been done? Do we do it like this because we're just sentimental? Or do we do it like this because it's actually commanded in Scripture? So getting that outside set of eyes is is always helpful. And I love the fact that you guys are first-generation Christians, because so am I. And really, one of the things that caused me to have real uh, success and health in early ministry is that I didn't know that we couldn't do it like this. Because I I came in with a brand-new, fresh set of eyes, and I just did what seemed like it made sense. And when people looked quizzical at me and said, well, well, that's not, we can't do it like that. We're Pentecostal, or we can't do it like that. It's never been done like that. I'd ask why. And then they would look at me with a quizzical look going, uh... Because they didn't know yes. why, they just never had thought about it in a different sense. Yeah. So that's just kind of an overarching kind of thought. Yeah. My, uh, my second response, I guess, where we're at, we were talking a little bit before about this. Uh, as the culture, uh, historically, uh, the table of the culture has kind of been tilted towards us. So naturally, people would kind of roll towards faith or Christian morality. And the culture has shifted and the table is now tilted away from us. Um, and so we need to rethink and relook at how we do things. And so uh, the, the statement that I would use is that years gone by, people would believe and then belong, 
And today it's a lot more about people belonging and then believing. Uh, and what that means is maybe 30 years ago, uh, people would have this conversion moment and they would say, okay, I believe. And then they would try to figure out how to fit themselves in uh, to how they could belong in a local assembly. Uh, and today it, it seems to kind of flipped on its head and it's much more the other way. People want to know that we care about them, that we love them, that we're willing to journey with them. And, and once they realize that they belong, they're like, okay, I, I, I'm in, I, I believe. And the neat thing about that is that they've even experienced a bit of discipleship as we've been journeying with them. So when they come to that point of saying, yes, I'm in, I'm going to follow Jesus, they're not, they're not starting at ground zero. They've actually been getting discipled uh, throughout that whole process before they kind of make that a formal, yes, I'm in kind of thing. So mm. does that make sense? Is that, that anybody, your guys' experience? That or? certainly has been experienced. That was, something? So that was exactly sort of my coming to Christ moment was I had a, my family friends, <clears throat> they made me belong first, right? Growing up in a, just my mom, you, I was, you're always looking for family and things to do. And they made me feel like I was part of their family first. Then eventually it was slowly, they went to church. So I went to church and, and then it was through that. I met some really good people who made me belong first. They, they hung out with me, all these amazing youth leaders. And then through that discipleship was built and then after that, it was, I believe in what I'm doing. I believe in this cause or message, the the, the church and and everything. So I, yeah, I've experienced that firsthand, and it is like, it. I think it's just the way we should be doing it, right? And we obviously we see that now with culture changing. That's what people want from us. So yeah, I, I know I had a conversation with somebody, and um, they were remarking on the fact that it is so hard to reach people that people are so um adverse to the gospel and and that and and as i i kind of pondered that i come to the realization that people are just as hungry for spiritual things mm -hmm. they're just as they're just as um desiring to see something of real um genuine uh truth in their lives it's just that it's just that the manner of which we have gone about it uh, has not really has not really caught with the chemistry of of who they are, and I, I think that it's it's it certainly is that whole aspect of of believing as opposed um, to belonging that that is a hard sell for the people who have kind of been in the way or have been kind of used to a traditional form of of Christianity, uh, because the thought is we have been hardline evangelicals. We have been oh you have to you have to ask Jesus in, and until that happens, then then you are in, in no place to you're in no place to kind of be part of the fellowship, and and that certainly has to change. That certainly has to be uh, something that that we have to to take a look at. And I have found that the difference be in in reaching people, like genuine, genuinely reaching people. I hate to use the term evangelism now because there's certain connotation to it. It's a bad word. That yeah. And and it seems like me tricking or trying to connive person to make a decision to serve Jesus is not what it is. To actually get to a point where I genuinely care so that they hear a message and receive the hope that comes with it. And and I've I've come to a, a point where I realize that this whole hit and run uh, message of the gospel just doesn't work. It takes time to do it because it just takes time to build trust. And as I was a, as I didn't grow up in a, any religious home, you know, 
one of the first things that comes to me, and maybe maybe you can comment on this, you too, Logan, is is if I, whenever you do an an activity or some type of a program, the first thing that people are thinking is, okay, what's the catch? Where's the sermon? Are you going to give me a track? Um, have you experienced anything <laughs> along that line? And, and how do we how do we combat that? Yes. Um... Doing life with people, so getting to know them in their setting, um, I think is how we combat it instead of being the first contact. So the uh, the, the, the story I kind of talk about is we're all familiar with the, or most of us are familiar with the, the little diagram of the chasm where you've got somebody on one side of the chasm and that's death and sin and eternal death and, and then there's this impossible chasm to cross and the other side is God and eternal life. And uh, the only way to cross the chasm is through the cross of Christ. And we've got this picture, and I drew one on PowerPoint, this little stick man on the one side. He's right on the edge of the chasm. And and historically, we'd sit on our side with God and eternal life, and we would just kind of shout niceties and platitudes and, and, and shout some of this uh, type of evangelism. And enough people would be at that very cusp, that edge, that they would kind of hear us from our other side where we're living in some level of comfort, and they would be willing to say, you know what, I'm willing to try and willing to take a leap of faith. Uh, and that is that worked a, a number of decades ago. Um, the struggle we're in today in this post-Christian culture is that almost nobody is standing at the edge of the chasm day in and day out. Like I, I would guess you could survey a hundred of your closest neighbors and uh, that don't attend church, and I would almost guess that none of them are sitting at the edge of that chasm wondering, should I make a commitment to Jesus or shouldn't I? Should I or shouldn't I? Um they're now like 20, 30 miles back. They're, they're nowhere near that chasm going about life and struggling through life in 2022. They're wondering, how, how do I raise kids in, in a world that is uh, covered in social media where even people who, who don't have a faith background can look at what's on and think there's craziness that my kids are being exposed to? How do I deal with finances as, as inflation continues to rise and we didn't have enough money before and even the idea of adulting, right? That, that has become a, a new term since I've become an adult. But like people just don't know how to do, and they're, they're concerned with what's affecting them day in and day out. And if we're simply sitting on our comfy side of the chasm and just yelling at them to come follow Jesus, A, they either don't hear us because they're so far away from that edge, or if they do hear us, well, they hear some mumbling in the background, they just think there's crazy people way off in the distance screaming at them. So I think how we combat what you're saying, Pastor, is that we need to actually get ourselves out of our comfortable space, walk over, because we know we have crossed that chasm. We've stumbled over the cross, and we know that Christ uh, holds us, and we're okay. We need to take our lives, and we need to go into the muck and mire, and we need to travel to where they're at, engage them where they are at. And engage them just because we love them and they were created in the image and likeness of God. Mm -hmm. yep. Because God loves them. God, Christ died for them where they're at, so far away from that that point of whether they're going to come into the family. Engage them there. And there's lots of you know, young people are dying for grandparent figures. Uh, people don't know how to you know cook basic necessities out of raw ingredients. Like There's all sorts of real practical ways to engage people where they're at, struggling with finances, debt, kids, parenting online stuff, engage them where they're at, just take a real interest and then start a relational journey with them. It, it's more effort on our part, uh, but we start that relational journey with them. So then when we do get to that point, the edge of the chasm where they have to stumble over the cross of Christ, it's not just, oh, 
you're going to stick me with some track and, and you have no concern. Cause I think there's a feeling that if that's all we do, people start to think like we just want to use them uh, as a commodity to get ourselves a little check mark that, that we've accomplished something by giving you or getting you here. Where if we journey with them up to that point, they get to know who we really are. They get to see that we authentically love them just because of who they are created by God and that we want to take a real interest in them. And we're really friends with them up until that point. Now, they still have to stumble over the cross. It's not watering anything down, but it's just being truly engaging and loving with people where they're at and then beginning that journey with them instead of just sitting on our comfy side kind of yelling platitudes uh, across a chasm at them. I, I think that's how I answer. Does that make sense to you guys? Or? absolutely resonates with me. Did you want to add anything to that, Logan? I, I would just say that in my experience, uh, being a new Christian and everything, that was absolutely how I lit. Like, that's how I'm still here was because I had people reach it. Like, I'll be honest. I didn't know how, like, I didn't have a dad. So I didn't know how to do 90% of the things that like a typical, like teenage boy should know how to do. Right. I didn't know how to change a tire. I didn't know how to do like any of that. But you best bet I had youth leaders and friends and, and other people, Christians, step up, show me how to do that, and and teach me those like basic life skills that, that Pastor Lou was like going on about. And so like that is like really, really important. And I think one other thing too to add is that the chasm is also just like it's just way longer now because there's so much more, because there's so much more history on our side like on the church side now than there was before because of social media and of these, like all these amazing movements that have come out that are good, like keeping us accountable and everything. But now there is so much more road for them, for new people to have to get through to even get to us. Right. Like the church has a lot of baggage now. We, we, we've created a mountain in front of the chasm. Yes, exactly. So when, when I, when I talk about this in, in churches, my third little diagram so I have one diagram with the stick figure standing on the edge of the chasm. I have a second stick figure showing that the stick, the guy is now 20 miles back, so he's way far. And then I've got a third one that I put a mountain in between where he is 20 miles back and the actual edge of the chasm. And in too many cases, we've created barriers yes. that make it so so that, so people have to do this incredible climb to, to get to the edge of the chasm. And, and I think that's the other thing in this. Like um, one of the things I've always been about and in this is uh, removing barriers, hindrances, walls that deter people from coming to Christ and his bride, the church. So, so like what, why, what barriers would you say we were talking about? I think if we're going to go with a young person's perspective, church songs. Like, I'm going to be real. Like, <laughs> um, music is like a big barrier for entry for people in the church now. Because people are going to come and they're going to listen to songs and they're not going to understand the meaning. They're not going to understand what's going on. Worship is one of the most awkward experiences ever if you've never done it before. I would have never thought of that. Be right, quite honest with you, I would have never, ever, but, but that would have never but, been a thing to, that would hit my radar even. But I remember being in youth group the very first time, big band, lights and everything like that. And I'm standing there just like, what What do I do? I don't know the words. I, I can see them, but I don't know how to sing. Like... It's awkward, and then they're talking about... They were singing the song Oceans, which is a great song. Like, I love it now that I understand the significance of it, but when you're singing that to somebody who has no idea what yeah. it's about, it it doesn't reach me. Really? And I think that's part of that mountain. That's part of that culture we've built up in the church of, like, 
we get so used to doing things like our way and then all that and it just keeps adding to the mountains so as, as i as i look at it i think that there are like two or three mountains or barriers even before they even get into church exactly that's that's kind of where i'm asking questions are do you do you have any barriers that you're that you can kind of think of stained we call it a stained glass barrier like there is this barrier at the entrance of the church doors that I've had so many conversations with people who we've engaged with, journeyed with, and they finally decide they're going to come to church and they get in front of the building and they're still white knuckling their steering wheel because because they can't figure out how to get themselves in. So um, in, in a relational aspect, one of the things that I talk with people is as you've journeyed with people and as you invite people at, to the point, now there's even a lot of barriers prior to this, but as you invite people to come to faith, or not come to faith, when you invite people to come out to church for the first time, here, here's what I do. Normally what we do is like we invite somebody to church, tell them what time it is, tell them where it is and say, okay. And they say, yeah, yeah, okay. And then, all right, great. And then we get, we show up at church on Sunday. We get visiting with our previously church friends. We get busy because uh, something happened and we need to run around and check the sound or do something. And if our friend shows up, they show up, they enter into a new building for the first time. They, they Even if they finally break through that stained glass barrier, and they enter in and they don't know anybody. They don't know what the structure building looks like. They don't know where they're supposed to go. And they see people talking all around them, but nobody's engaging them. And they feel more lonely than ever as they've entered. So, so what I've been telling people to do is this, is as you journey with people and at the point where you kind of invite them, say, you know what, we're doing something at our church. would love to have you. Would you be interested? And if somebody says yes, then I, I, I kind of coach and train people in this. So, so here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Uh, if somebody, you invite somebody out and they say they're going to come, you say, okay, here's, here's the plan. I'm going to journey with you through this entire process. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually wait in the parking lot till you show up. So mm. you don't have to worry about entering the building by yourself. So. I'm going to be in the parking lot. I'll wait for you. We'll meet out there. We'll, I'll walk in with you. I'll show you the lay of the land. I'll explain everything that's going on. And I'll journey with you from the first step all the way through to the last. So you don't have to feel awkward. I'll be with you the whole way. Uh, now, I'm going to be, but understand, I'm going to be hanging out in the parking lot. So if, if you can't make it, that's fine. But you've got my number let me know ahead of time. But otherwise, I'm waiting in the parking lot till you show up because I'm not going in without you because you're my friend nice. and I want to yep. journey with you through this. And that just removes so many barriers that we don't even think about half the time, right? We just think, well, I'll invite you out to church and you should come in and everybody's welcoming and everybody's yep. happy. And, but you don't realize how many steps of uh, they had to struggle through to get to the parking lot and, and to then get through the front door. And then now they're in the door and they're looking around. They can't see anybody. They don't see you. You're busy. You just, you just remove so many barriers, and even it removes the barrier from people who drive up to the church, white-knuckling, and drive away. Because if you see them driving up to the church, mm -hmm. and they know that you're waiting in the parking lot, once they're in that, you engage them, you walk with, you know, you can be, you know what, I get it. I get it, it's nervous. I, I've been there. I, I get, I've walked through this, but for you, first time, I want you to know this doesn't need to be a nervous experience. I'm with you the whole way. And it just, it takes down all those extra barriers they have a great, a much better first experience because they've not had to feel awkward at any moment because their friend, who you've already journeyed with them up to this point, has met them before they had to go through that stained glass barrier. And uh, and so that's one of the things, kind of tying in a little bit yeah. with Logan and the idea of music, and I, I won't rant on that just yet. <laughs> but uh, Well, actually, I'll do a little rant and I'll back up. Okay. Uh, Days of Elijah, I love it. You need a doctorate in Old Testament theology to know what on earth is going on. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I uh, uh, so uh, I, I and I do. I love the song, but when somebody for the first time, you know, and then the dry bones becoming his flesh, we've got the zombie apocalypse going on. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, 
Just, but with that being said, I'll, I'm going to back up and talk about language in general. Uh, often uh, we send missionaries overseas to foreign lands. And usually the first thing we do is we send them for language training because they need to learn to speak the language of the locals in order to properly present the gospel, love, engage sure, with people absolutely. and journey with them. Yep. I think in Canada in 2022 in our churches, we need to put our, our church people through language training. We need to start to get the mentality that we are missionaries. We are now living not in a Christian culture, as we're talking yep. about. We're living in a post-Christian culture. Yep. We need to start looking at life through the lens of a missionary, going in and living amongst people, learning the language of the natives so that we can actually share with them in meaningful ways and engage with them in meaningful ways. Because one of those other barriers, whether it's uh, in-house or out, is how we speak to people. So we can actually express the fullness of the gospel without watering anything down in language that the people that we've been placed with an arm's reach of can understand. But too often, we've got so much Christianese, so much of our own language, yeah. that, that people, like, m most of our great words, nobody uses in regular uh, conversation, nope. right? And you can explain them in common English, because when they were first written in Greek, they were written in common Greek. Yeah. We, we've just uh, uh, added extra religious uh, connotations to yeah. them, right? Yep. So that, that even even that, so that idea of journeying, but there's a lot of little thoughts if we think through the process that can just remove a lot of those barriers. Yeah, yeah. I know. I I think all of us kind of have a rant inside of us when it comes to this subject, isn't it? Yep. Like a couple. <laughs> I know. I know for myself, as I've just observed and talked with people, I I've come to realize that a person that is not part of the um, of the Christian world. Um, I can't speak for all of them, but I find that there is a there's enough to say that there's a consensus of people who think that as the church we really don't care about them whatsoever. Mm -hmm. There is there is you know why would I come to this because because ultimately you have shown me that you really don't care about me. You kind of have this agenda, this little re religious agenda and and there's certain attachments to it. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you really don't care about me at all. And and that has been perhaps the impetus in me to cause me to change and say, listen, what I want to do is I want to convince you beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are loved and cared for me, even if you never, ever come to faith. So if all of a sudden you reject that and say, listen, I'm going to tell you right off the start that I'm never, ever going to join your church. I'm never, ever going to be a part of what you are doing. I'm, I'm at the point now where I said, I don't care about that. What I, what I want you to know is that my, the mandate of my faith is that I love you no matter what. That becomes, becomes the end all and be all. So if you have an activity and you say, listen, come join us in this. Well, it doesn't mean I'm going to be a Christian. Well, that's no problem. Uh, it means I'm I'm a uh, I'm a Muslim. I'm I'm going to be a Muslim the rest of my life. That's okay. The ultimate the ultimate thing for me for you to know is that I care for you, and that you walk away and say I don't believe him. He might be crazy. He's got weird thoughts or whatever that I don't agree with. But one thing I know for sure is that he is actually doing something to genuinely show me that he cares. And I and I've come to realize that, that those are the first steps. And if you don't have those steps in place, then it's going to be very hard. It's going to be very hard to um, to win people past that first base. Would would 
I don't know. Is that that's part of my rant? Is there anything you can add to that, or is there anything in so, your experience you've seen that's? Well, I'll just add to that a little bit. Okay. So as now, our group, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, uh, sometimes when I go places, I, I talk about the Constitution, which is just thrilling, riveting. Everybody just know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but the, but the second line in the General Constitution under our core values says that we as people of our fellowship, we value people without Christ and we owe them the compassion of Christ. Yeah. We and I think we forget that because we're so yeah. focused. We actually value people who don't yet know Jesus, and we owe them something. It's not on them; it's on us. We actually owe them the compassion of Christ. Uh, that's core to who we are, and we I think we kind of sometimes forget about that. And, and too often we have used people just as like pawns to to kind of get the checkbox. Yeah. Right. But we no, we actually we care about you, whether you ever come to faith or not. I mean, I I pray and hope that you come to faith, and I, I believe. Without faith, it's an eternal, uh, it's not good. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not here just to check that box off. I, I'm here because God loves you and he's commissioned me to, to love you, right? So I, yeah. I agree with you, Pastor Mike. Yeah. That's... That becomes that becomes the thing that is important. That's kind of why we, we say as a church, we want to be a church in our community for our community. That's, that kind of is the basis for it. I know uh, as we were kind of doing a play with words when we when I was first here as the pastor, I realized that Bethel has the word be the with the word L, and that's kind of why we started, well, be the life, be the light, be the love, be the link. So we, we incorporated them with the thought that that's what we want to do. We want to actually uh, tangibly show the love of Christ uh, to people, and I believe that when we do that, that is where the Holy Spirit creates the opportunity for us to interject some truth into their life. And, well, biblically, I mean, this is what Jesus did. Like, yeah, he preached to hundreds of thousands of people probably over his time. But he first thing he did was he went and went and found 12 miscreants and was like, hey, I'm going to hang out with you. I'm going to be your friend. And we're going to start there. Like, that. that's what, like... So why, why, like, sometimes I just get so, like, I look at that, and even in my own life, and I'm like, why am I trying to change it? Jesus already modeled what we're supposed to be doing. Like, it's like, just just go and be friends with people. Why, like, why do we have to have this transactional idea that, like, I do something for you, so now you have to do something for me? You know, like, it's just, like, one of those things that, like, I it just rubs me the wrong way. Like, I, you know, I have so many friends who are who are not christian and they've outright told me like you said i'm never going to be and you know what and I, they were expecting me to get mad upset whatever and i'm like that's fine i still love you anyway i was like we're still gonna hang out i'm still gonna be your friend i was like just because i have this choice in my life doesn't counteract that we're still friends and i care about you i was like that's not gonna change regardless and you know what it was a slow change but some of them are actually like went to youth group with me. Some of them gave their lives to Christ because I, we just we just hung out and it was like Wednesday night. Oh, Logan can't hang out; he's going to youth. And I was like, slowly but surely, they were like, you know what? Maybe I'll come. I want to hang out with Logan; he's fun. And we and it's just a slow sort of erosion, so to speak. And it and it just like worked. I I didn't realize you're that much of a fun guy. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> um, yeah. In our ministry, we've seen so many people who are actually hostile to the gospel coming to faith. 
Now, we could have said, well, you're hostile to the gospel, so I'm just going to write you off, and I'm not going to engage you. I'm not going to love you. It's it's not worth my time and energy. But it's it's amazing. I know God just so shocked me one time because I there was, there was a chief of police in, in Carlisle who was absolutely opposed to the gospel. And we had so many um, volunteer firefighters who came to faith and started attending our church. And, and one Sunday morning, we finished Sunday morning prayer, and I looked up down this hallway, and the chief walked in, and me and my lack of faith, my first thought was, oh, no, what's he doing here? And I was thinking, I bet you something went down with the phone <laughs> yeah, lines, yeah, and he's come yeah. to take all the volunteer firefighter out to do something. And it just, because he was so hostile, but we continued to love it. But at, at first, and then all of a sudden, I went up and I engaged him, and I found out, no, he was broken and hurting. And even though he was radically hostile to the gospel, because the guys in the firefighting department and the rest of us just continued to journey and love and not and not write him off, all of a sudden, when things went on in life, the first place he turned, he walks through the church doors, eventually comes to faith. I got to do his wedding, married, disciple him, passionate follower of Jesus, right? Nice. But at first, and I, a number of stories like that, but at first, my, my, even my, my humanness even took over when I seen him enter the door. It wasn't like, oh, finally. It was like, ah, uh, you know, but there's that idea because we didn't write him off. And, and you could have so easily because he was very antagonistic. And so in our, my humanness in earlier conversations, it'd be much easier to say, you know what, I'm not engaged with you because you're rude to me. Well, who cares if they're rude to me? Yeah. Like they were rude yeah. to Christ. They were a little more than rude to Christ, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. Yep. Stay, stay engaged. And and whatever God does, my my job is to continue to follow Jesus and love the people that He died for. His job is to work on convicting and yeah. and drawing them. Right. That's the power. That's where the power of the gospel is. Amen. You know, even even now as we're talking, I don't know who's who's listening in, and and you might be feeling the same way. You are kind of at that crossroads in your walk, and you're just trying to figure this whole thing out. And I think the important thing is is to is to Continue the conversation with people who who believe in Christ, who genuinely care about you. Uh, that's that's where you you really begin to see uh, change take place. I I had this um, this thought, and just in conversation with different people, uh, this statistic was a number of years ago that you know people who came to know Jesus, you know, three percent came as a as a result of an evangelist. And, uh, you know, this person, because they watched uh, 100 Huntley Street or the PTL Club at that time. Right. <laughs> and, like, very small percentage. And it got to the point where 90% of people came to know Jesus because a close associate for the, of, of them lived out the faith and talked with them, started the conversation. That was the statistic 40 years ago. And I've come to realize... That statistic hasn't changed. Yeah, it is the same way that we reach people. The yep. reason that that we're having problems reaching people is because I believe the Christians have walked away from the table. They're not having conversations. They don't even have uh, friends that that are are not Christians, and we've kind of alienated them. And as a result, you know, people have walked away and tried to look for something else, based on the fact that there's that there is that kind of that distance that uh, is there, and no one is just having the critical conversations with people about faith. One of, you know? one of the greatest examples that I have seen of, of this idea, because it almost goes to like Christian character, right? And it's like, I think people are really good at sniffing out fake Christians. You know, it's like, you're really good. You're, we call, I call them holiday Christians. They go on Easter, Christmas, and maybe Thanksgiving, whatever. They, put, they fake it for the family kind of thing. But 
um, if you don't know, there's like the Robertson family. They're big, like evangelistic, like Christians from Duck Dynasty and everything. And they had this, they had their show, 10 seasons. And they had a sound guy on that show. So he's, he mics everybody up. He hears every single thing that they talk about, whether they're on camera or not, because their mics are still on. And he's done hundreds of reality TV shows and everything. And he's so calloused to this idea of like fakeness, right? Cause he's doing all these reality shows and he, he said to Phil, he's the, he's a patriarchy of the family. He was like, don't even try to change me. It's not going to happen. Like, I know you guys are Christians. Don't even talk to me about it. Very much like the, like your share, like your chief of police and everything. And they didn't, they didn't try to change him at all. They just actively lived their normal life and talked and prayed. And he's sitting there listening to every single thing that they're talking about. And I think by like the fourth season or something, he'd given their, he had given his life to Christ. They baptized him and, and all this stuff. And they didn't actively go out and share the message with him. They didn't, you know, hand him a Bible and all this. It was just, they just lived their lives. Yeah. And it's like, I think if so many more Christians just did it that way and actively authentically chase that like good Christian character, you know, at church and at home, I think we would see a huge return from that. And I think that's where the battle comes in as Christians. It's very easy to be a Christian for two hours on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. But the real battle is doing it at home and throughout the week. That's why in, in youth and children's ministry, they say 90% of that ministry is won or lost in the home. Yeah, yeah. So There's a, there's a great book that came out. Oh, it's, it's been a few years now, but it was by Rosaria Butterfield. I don't know if you had heard it. It's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Oh, I, I haven't read it, but I'm yeah, familiar with it. She's yeah. such an articulate. And her and her conversion story is is incredible. And how she was a she was a uh, tenured professor in Syracuse University and and very much against the gospel, was actually doing a study against it. And and there was this this couple that kind of sat down with them and she said, He says, We didn't even talk about church. For two years, they just had me at the home, and they began to talk and just start a conversation. She said, "She's the church wasn't even part of the conversation for a couple of years." And she talks about the fact that the the best way that that we actually genuinely reach people is to practice hospitality. You know, just have your neighbor over for a barbecue. Conversation doesn't really have to go. <laughs> To you, you ramrod a, a conversation about church in the conversation because you feel that you need to be faithful, and the Bible tells us that we need to be faithful. And I think the first, the first command is such an important one: you have to love Jesus with all your heart, and the same is like it: love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the the foundation prints for it. And I, I think she had, she said, you know what? If the if the souls of your of your the feet of your people getting your house dirty are more important than the souls that they have in terms of who they are then there's a problem but i think that's i think that's so that's so true and and i i think that god is working in my heart i can't speak for anyone else but i i get to a point where i just want to let people know that i actually genuinely care for them and and from there I, I don't know. I hand the baton off to the Holy Spirit. I don't know if that's the best way to put it because I think God is in the whole process. You know, someone once said that that evangelism is joining a conversation that the Holy Spirit is already having with someone. I believe that 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 is true, and 
And even as we have people listening and God is speaking to their hearts, this is part of the conversation that the Holy Spirit used. I'm trying to figure out a way as the pastor that we actually do that as a church, that we actually come to a point where we can, through whatever activities, whatever programs, whatever efforts we make, we can at least say, I don't believe anything that they say, but I genuinely think that they care for me. I think that we can make headways. The problem is it takes a long time for people to build that trust. It it takes a big investment, not like money-wise, but it actually takes an entire like church to actually get behind that investment to understand that like you're probably not going to see a return from this. Like it, like not to talk like businessy, but you're not going to get a return on your investment when you do that. Mm-hmm. Like I think so many times we have this idea that we're going to throw this big free party and then five people are going to show up to church the next Sunday. And, oh, that's worth it because five people came in the church door. And I was like, no, we need to change the whole mentality and be like, no, we actually just blessed a community of people. Yeah. You just don't see the investment or yeah. you, just, you don't see the payback. Exactly. Sorry. Right. We just have to, I think, honestly, and this is something I struggled with for a really long time. I hate the parable of the sower. I hated it growing up because I was like, I don't, I don't want to just be the seed planter because it's not fulfilling. I don't want to just walk around and scatter the seed because you never know how it ends up. So you want to be the harvest dude. I always wanted to be the harvester. And it was such a, it was, it, I still wrestle with it sometimes, but I'm like, I think we sometimes just need as Christians need to understand that like, it's okay to just plant the seed and walk away. You know, I, I don't know. I, at some point, I'm going to push back a little bit on the plant the seed and walk away. Okay. But uh, I want to Please I want to do. touch base. No, that's that's good. I want I want to touch base on something else here. Just I'm trying to get my thoughts about me. <laughs> um, one of the things I think Christians struggle with, and sometimes especially pastors, but it can be the entire congregation, is is we think we have to bring, quote unquote, correction or truth into every conversation we have. Yeah. So if somebody says something that's wrong, instead of just listening to their story. And getting to know them and journeying with them, we think as the uh, arbiters of truth, we have to like bop them on the head and give them the truth yeah. and tell them, well, actually, that's wrong. So I think every member of the church, every member of every church has an active ministry to the people that God has placed us with an arm's reach of today. And it can be, and a lot of what I'm encouraging churches with is very relational stuff. Now, the, the pushback on the uh, plant the seed and walk the way is I, I think we need to think through how we journey with people from point A to point B to point C to point D, okay? But in that journey, it's not all just Bible study, Bible study, Bible study, Bible study. So Gen Z, the statistics tell us that Gen Z are dying for relationship with grandparents. They love grandparents. You know what a lot of churches have? Grandparents. Lots of grandparents, old people. Yes. (laughs) Now, we have to be able to train our our seniors and encourage them not to just be... um, find find the sin of the young generation detestable upon first encounter. But you've got to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to find a way to engage with young people and listen to them without agreeing with them, without saying what they're doing is right, what they're struggling with, but just hear them out, let them talk and journey with them. And so we've got a young people who are struggling with uh, gender dysphoria and sexuality and all these things that um, coming out of a holiness, purity movement, we, we find just detestable and we don't want to have anything to do with. But somewhere as a senior in the church, could we find the maturity? To, you know what? We're, we're going to, 
invite a half dozen teenagers over and, and Grandma Betty is going to teach them how to make her, her world-famous cinnamon buns because these kids have not had a real piece of home-baked food maybe in their lives. And we're going we're gonna to spend four weeks. We're going to teach them how to do it. We're, we're, we're going to send them home every week with a dozen cinnamon buns. And, 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 and you know what? Other than them realizing that Grandma Betty is a is, is because Grandma Betty is a Christian, <laughs> she, she's just going to journey with them, love them, and and, and she's going to start a relationship with them. And and when they talk about the fact that they're struggling with whether they're uh, polyamorous or bisexual or whatever, you're not at first instance just going to come and bop them on the head and be aghast and tell them how sinful it is. You're going to say, oh well, that's that's not the way it was in my generation, and and, and share your story, but not just continually the immediately. Non-Christians don't don't want someone. None of us don't want somebody on a first instinct just to tell us that that we're wrong, even if we are. Yeah. Right. Like even if we are, but okay. Well, that's that's interesting. That that's different than my generation. Um, so that's what. So what what else is going on in your life, right? And just starting those initial. That's where that planting that seed, right? Yeah. That initial planting that seed of of relational connectedness. But then after those four weeks, or after you're done your cinnamon bun thing. Not just dropping them and not talking to them right. for four months uh, until you decide you're going to run a cake baking sure. thing. <laughs> no, but you're actually then going to continue to stay engaged. And that's where my pushback is just a little right. bit Logan, right? I think too often we have done, we hold one event in the fall, we invite out people, we got a bunch of people to show up for our kickoff, we don't get any information, we don't do any follow-up, we don't talk to them again until uh, Christmas, at Christmas, we do this big Christmas production. We invite and we tell everybody, we're so thankful you're here. We're, you're in the right place. We're so thankful you're here. We're so excited. But then we don't invite them to anything else. We don't recontact them until Easter. And, and it kind of feels like, because when we need to understand that when non-Christians come for the first time, they've already taken a huge leap of faith just by showing up. Yeah. And now they're saying, I'm here. Do you guys actually want me? Do I really belong? And if we just scatter that one off and then don't talk to them for four months, we're actually, uh, I, I keep stealing this business term, we, we do this anti-marketing. We're telling them we want them publicly and then you don't talk to them for four months. Yeah. Yeah. If you were in a friendship or relationship, uh, often I'll, when I'm doing a, a conference, I'll ask all the guys uh, who are married, I'll say all of the married men, when, you're, when you were on the first date with your present spouse, when were you planning the second date? And almost unanimously, everybody says either on the first date or before the first date. Like everybody was really <laughs> yeah. on the ball for date number two. And then I'll ask the wives. I said, all right, if your present husband took you out on a first date, things were going well, and then he, they, he didn't talk to you. He didn't call you, contact you, talk to you for four to six months. Would have there been a second date? And almost unanimously, every woman in the house goes, no way, <laughs> right? But, but so often that's what we're doing with non-Christians. Yeah. We invite them to one thing. We tell them that they're valued, and then we don't talk to them forever. So how do you how do you kind of set the stage where you're doing these steps, right? We call bridge building, and, and not everything has to be Bible study, Bible study. But how do you do a relational moment, and then after that relational moment's done, how do you continue to to say, you know what, you've been in my house for four weeks doing cinnamon buns, I, I want to come have you over for this, and just and just continue that journey. Does, does yeah. that make sense to you guys? That's that's yeah, yeah. that that uh, certainly hits a nerve. I would imagine someone who's listening that really that really hits at a. A deep level and i think i think it is the process it yep. is the process of us learning really it really is and i i know i'm at that point i haven't, haven't really arrived you know I, I always take all these things and i'm always continually learning like what is the best way i can be a better pastor or a better christian <laughs> i sometimes i think i 
I got to be a better Christian. <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying to be a better pastor, and there's just there's other other things that are more than more important than that sort of thing. Now, I got two things I wanted to try and get before we end this podcast. Yep. You made a comment. Um, uh, oh, and I can't remember where it was. Maybe it was just you and I talking, or I was listening to you speak one time, and it was something to the effect that you know that you are doing the right thing when your greatest evangelist are the unsaved people or the non-church people that come yeah. to your church. Can you kind of expound a little bit on, on that statement that I've known that you've made a few times? Yeah, I have made, um, I talk about uh, making non-Christians evangelists. Um, basically, I think our churches, and so as individuals and corporately, we are the temple of the spirit of God on earth. And that should be such a blessing to our local community that people who don't even attend our church would start sending people to our church who are hurting, in need. Um, and my experience from, from pastoring in southeastern Saskatchewan is through the events that we did. Like we always ask the question, where is there an itch in our community and how can we scratch that itch? And then we tried to be a tangible blessing to our community. And I had so many conversations with people who would say to me, well, uh, you know, Louis, I don't attend church, but but if I attended church, I would attend one like this because you guys care about the community and you add value to the community. And you're, I don't know if they use the word blessing, but essentially they kept yeah. saying, you're such a blessing to our community. And then what we would find is that new people would, and we always had new people coming through the doors and we'd engage them. You, you're visiting first time and new to the community. And they'd be like, oh no, like, like Heathen Hal from the car dealership. Yeah. Like Heathen Hal sent me here. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> And uh, Ethan Howell's never come to this church himself, <laughs> ever, like yes. ever, right? But at the same time, Ethan Howell, uh, he's like, he knew that we helped people who were struggling, that we were a blessing. If somebody knew the community and they were trying to figure out where they could fit in, he knew that there was a, a fun, healthy place where, where new families could fit in. And so I don't even know how many times we would talk with people and, and we tried to create an invitational culture within our church, but we apparently created an invitational culture within the non-Christians who don't attend our church because we were able to be such a force of good and blessing in our community that non-Christians would send their non-Christian friends to our wow, church. That's so, that, so that's how I talk about that. What would it take for your church to be such a force of good, such a blessing to your community that non-Christians would become evangelists and start sending their non-Christian friends, coworkers, relatives to your church because they knew your church was a place where they could fit in, they would belong, they would find help, healing, hope. Um, so what would it take? What would it take for the local church to be that type of a force of good, that type of a force of blessing? And if we are the temple of the Spirit on earth, shouldn't we be that yeah. much of a force of a blessing? So, so does that answer the question? That's kind of my, that's a short yeah. rant on my uh, on that idea. I knew what the kind of answer was, okay. but I just wanted <laughs> I just wanted to set you up for that because I thought it was such an important, enriching thing. Likes to, uh, throw, here. likes to throw a low ball every once in a while. There we go. Right? <laughs> I need a low ball every once in a while. <laughs> and the other the other thing is I'm not too sure where we are on time. Um, you know, at, at the recording of this, we have just kind of come out of, I think, this little pandemic that was called COVID-19. And... And as a, a pastor, I'm trying to figure out how do I how do I serve how do I serve my congregation who seems to be who seems to be just kind of coming out of the woodwork. There's just a different attitude. There's just a you know people people just trying to refigure and reconfigure their lives, uh, coming coming out of like a, a traumatic experience, uh, and as well people 
from the world and, and from the from the outside church. Yeah, I often think there's our church culture, then there's the 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 Christian culture or the Christian community, other churches, and that. Then there's this kind of chasm, and then there is um, just regular people like in, in that have that are you know irrelevant to our our faith and that and and I'm just trying to figure should I be doing anything different or or should we be doing different anything different? Is there any kind of solution as I'm I'm taking a look and saying well how do I serve better uh, coming out of a a huge pandemic a huge crisis? You know is there is there any wisdom that we have? Is there anything that you've noticed? I like I'm I'm kind of stuck here in Brandon. Well not stuck here in Brandon but I'm. I'm here in Brandon. I kind of have a limited view based on what is happening in Brandon. You have the opportunity to travel uh, through the prairies anyway, through Manitoba and Saskatchewan, probably other places as well. Is there anything that you are observing or anything that, that you can say to us as a church or anyone who's listening about how do we, is there, is there different rules? I, I don't think, I don't think we did well as a church through mm -hmm. this pandemic. Nope. I think that there was a lot of, a lot of arguing, a lot of petty issues. There's a lot of people who felt strongly, had their scriptures lined up as well with the way that they felt. And and as, as the smoke has cleared, I don't know if we had represented ourselves well coming out of COVID. And I'm you know, I'm trying to figure that out. And I'm just trying to figure out even our church people themselves. You know, have you observed anything as you kind of traveled along? I've observed lots. <laughs> let's, uh, let's see what we can boil this down into. Yeah. Um, we, we've got this, so the pandemic seemed to be a bit of a, a magnifier or a multiplier. I, I don't think it necessarily changed things. It just, it just sped things up or it magnified struggles that we already had in the church world, right? It, it, it just really accelerated things. With that, on this end of the pandemic, we've got this weird, um, lots of our culture, and I think it's a, it's a ripe moment for the church to step into but we've got a we've got a culture that is both desiring to be in relationship with people because that relationship has been in many ways lost over the last number of years and there's a fearfulness about engaging with people still because uh, it's been kind of ingrained into us to to not really be around too many people so there there's a bit of a tension we need to hold and and I would agree the church at a at a whole probably didn't handle a lot of things well we've we've missed some some opportunities but i think this moment especially in this idea of belonging uh, then believing this is i think a, a pivotal moment um people want to belong now we've got to be careful with where they're at we don't want to alienate them by like forcing ourselves upon them but really finding ways to to engage in those smaller settings engage with people where they're at and say, you know what, Where, wherever you're at, wherever you landed on anything with the pandemic that was polarizing on any end, I, I still love you. I still want to get to know you. And if you're willing to, uh, I'd like to connect with you and, and learn more about you. Uh, I, I think we're in a pivotal moment. So I, I think big picture, uh, that's, that's the key. If we are the people of faith, uh, we don't have a spirit of fear. If we can lovingly start stepping into these relationships at these moments, um, because I think if we don't, some other groups will. Hmm. Um, even prior to the pandemic, what I found is uh, a lot of people were replacing church with, with other events 
because the church wasn't doing a good job of, of being the relational driving machine it should be. Uh, I, my kids played football for years. Uh, I found that most of the football parents didn't need church because they had the, the football parents group. They basically replaced church with, with hanging out with their football friends uh, without doing uh, the service portion of it. But they found a group of people that cared for them unconditionally, that would journey with them, help them when they were down, walk through life with them. And it was outside of the church because we were, you kind of mentioned at the beginning that uh, this is a different language one of my friends uses, but you're not at the beginning earlier, that it's 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 not the non-Christians are close to the church, it's that the church has been close to non-Christians, mm-hmm. right? And if we stay in that mentality right now, I think we're going to miss one of the greatest opportunities uh, the church has had in, in, in decades. Because there are people who, who, even though there's still some kind of an internal fear, they're still feeling un- uneasy about certain things, they want relationship. And this is a great opportunity this season for us who know Jesus to, to step into people's lives start that journey with them where they're at because a lot of people don't have the same uh, support groups, the same structures, the same groups of uh, events and people that they used to hang out with because COVID has, has kind of broken that in some ways. So as they're coming out of it, before other groups kind of swoop in, I think this is a great opportunity for us to say, you know what, I'm going to step out and uh, without pushing the boundaries of what my neighbor or my coworker feels uncomfortable with, I'm going to step out and I'm going to risk saying, Hey, do you want to go out for a meal? Or hey, do you want to come to my house? Or, or if you feel uncomfortable with that, let's meet at the park and chat through. Because most people are still struggling with fear, a lack of hope, not knowing about hmm. where things are at. So I, I think we have the answers. And not that we just want to enter those relationships to bop them on the head and give them yep. the answers. But I think this is a, a right moment to really personally engage people. So there's probably a lot more, but that would be my initial thoughts. That's great. That's... Uh... That, that certainly is a challenge to me and any person who is who passionately loves Jesus and wants to um, share faith, the, the joy that they have. Now, I think we're coming to an end. Is there anything that we want to add? I would just say for the like for the Christians listening right now, for, for all of you listening, we've given you like we've gone over a lot of stuff, but it really does boil down to treat like build a relationship with people first. That's like that's what we're talking about. They don't need to believe to belong they they belong to believe like and i just i just know that for myself it was extremely extremely important for me for that so i just would say we just need all of us all all of the church capital c just needs to step up and just start listening first start and when i say listening not talking back like actually like just listen to people you know like i got through you know, we all had different battles during COVID and, and, and all these things and like working in churches and stuff like that as like a as like a more technical person. It was really trying because you had to figure out on your feet how to completely adapt to a new way to communicate to people, yeah. you know, and it and it and it was really, really, really hard. But if it wasn't for the friends and family around me that like just they didn't talk to me about work. It was, hey, Logan, how are you doing today? There was no intention of, like, or even even some of my old coworkers. They didn't be like, when's this video going to be done? Or like, like, because it was, how are you doing today? Like, how's how's your life? You know, like if you ask somebody that, it immediately breaks down, like so many of the barriers that like we build up. Yeah. And I was having a conversation with Micah, who we had on last week, 
and he was talking to me and he was like, Logan, he's like, I don't, he's like, I don't know how to like bring up Jesus to other people. And I was like, well, why do you have to bring up Jesus to other people? Why can't you just say, Hey, how you doing? You know? And it like clicked in his head and he was kind of like, Oh yeah. Like, why don't we do that? And I just think, I don't know. We just need to get away from the nineties crusade sort of mentality. And like, those are great. They're awesome. Don't get me wrong. But I just don't think that that's going to work anymore. The same notion has always been true. People don't, people don't care what you know until they first know that you care. Yeah. That's, that's always, that's always been true. So, um, so I don't know, maybe, maybe as you're listening in on the podcast here, it has kind of made you ask a few more questions, or maybe there is something that we haven't thought uh, about and you may need to ask a few more conversations, uh, more questions. So we do have an email yep. that uh, you can come to. It is. So if you want to email us any questions, concerns, prayer requests, anything forgiven at Bethelbrandon.ca. I so, check it every day. Yeah. And so, and so we want to be part of the conversation. This, this isn't just something that we're saying just to, just to kind of, just to kind of try and podcast or do something different to put another badge on our chest, another star in our, our column. We genuinely care about you. Yeah. We genuinely want to see uh, life and joy come to anybody who's here. And, and you might be listening. I don't know. You'd be maybe a veteran here, or maybe you're just kind of at that stepping stone and trying to figure out faith. Well, help us uh, to help you. And, and we want to genuinely see what we can do to make a difference in our community for you. And so, I'm not too sure where where you're at, but I'm glad that you were able uh, to join us. And so, um, may God bless you, uh, Louis. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Thanks, thanks for so much for having me. This has been great. So, and uh, and uh, hopefully, if we will hear from you uh, as we continue on in our podcast, God bless and uh, have a great day. Thanks for listening to Forgiven. Please make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. And more importantly, share this around with your friends and family so that you can help to empower and inspire them. If you want to get connected with us, you can leave a comment on your preferred platform. Uh, but the best way to do that is you can send us an email at forgiven at Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.